<laughs> oh yeah, I um I found your channel by just looking up, and I look up a bunch of videos in that in like uh, re- in regards to the topic of like self help or like male self improvement, red pill, manosphere. Yeah. I've I've watched a lot of content in that space, and I think just one day your video was recommended in the sidebar in YouTube. Oh, okay, and as I often do, I click on one and then I just end up clicking on more and more and more. I said, Oh wow, yeah. this guy's got very, <laughs> very good content. And, um, yeah, I think that's how it initially happened. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talk about with the red pill, the entire like self-help movement. So it should be interesting. <laughs> but in, I like though that you also do other videos too, not just in regards to that topic. Yeah, like in the beginning, I don't know if we're starting now. I can go like all the way to the beginning, but yeah. when I first started my channel, my first videos were actually investment based. Like I actually did a lot of finance type videos. I would do like NFTs, cryptocurrencies, and I'm still invested in crypto, but I don't really talk about it as much since no one really watches it anymore. But in the beginning, it was kind of like stock market based stuff, crypto, NFTs. And then from there, um, I started talking more about like Red Pill topics, self improvement. And then at this point in my life, like I've kind of, I guess like I've kind of like ended that chapter somewhat, like at least the red pill stuff, since like it's, it comes in phases to be honest. But at this point, I'm kind of focused more on like the business aspects of my life. Like right now I'm doing a lot of video editing for other YouTubers and businesses. So I'm trying to like help grow that. And at the same time, I graduated recently. So right now I'm also working full time. So I'm just kind of like talking about my journey and documenting my experience, balancing both a full-time job, starting a business, and also like talking about self-improvement topics on YouTube too. Very cool. And I actually, it's funny you mentioned if we had started, I do like to do these rolling introductions. So um, (laughs) I have been recording and just really quick, just as a brief introduction. Hey, everybody. Uh, My name is Chris. This is Chitash. And today I am joined by a very special guest, Sebastian Perez. Thank you very much. for. Yeah. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, I really like the work that you do and thought I'd reach out and see if we can get together and just talk about stuff. Um, yeah, there's plenty to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you mentioned like as far as school, uh, going a little back before that, have you always grown up or like born and raised in California? Yeah, my entire life. So I grew up mainly in the Bay area, the San Francisco Bay area. I grew up in San Francisco for like the first six or seven years of my life. Then after that, I kind of moved to the East Bay, like the more suburb area. And then from there, I went to school in San Diego. So that was my first time really leaving the Bay Area, but still within California. But to be honest, like you can even ask a lot of natives in the state. SoCal is a lot different from NorCal. Like it's almost like entirely different states somewhat. So I spent like the last four years or so in San Diego. I went to USD, University of San Diego, and I'm still here right now working. So California born and raised. And what did you graduate with? What was your degree in? Yeah, I was I was studying finance and economics. Okay, nice. And is that like the currently what you're working in, you're you have like a financial role? Somewhat. Like right now I'm working for a finance recruiting and consulting company. It's kind of a startup. There's like only six or seven people on the team. But I do a lot of business development. So basically sales, like my entire job is to find as many leads and book as many meetings as possible for the company. 
So pretty much sales for finance. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and I, I know you had a couple videos I was watching where you kind of talk about this. Do you, did school prepare you pretty well for this role? <laughs> um, that's interesting. Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Not how you think it does. I think school, what you really learn in, skill, in school is like the people you meet, the networking aspects, um, how to deal with people. That's what you really learn in school. But in regards to classes and everything, I don't think that helped too much in my current role. And honestly, in a lot of roles for most graduates, I think a lot of like dealing with people from different backgrounds, that's probably the main thing that really surprised me coming to the school I went to, like, I never really, like, growing up, I was in a more, like, lower middle class household. I wouldn't say we're, like, dirt broke or anything. I wasn't, like, in a homeless shelter, but we definitely struggled a lot since, uh, like, my dad and my mom split up when I was around 10 or 12 years old, and a lot of the, like, later years of my childhood years, it was mainly my mom's income taking care of our family, so the Bay Area is one of the most expensive places in the whole country, so it was very difficult to do that at that time. So my background leading up to my college years, it was a complete culture shock, like going to USD, it's a Catholic private school. It was the first time really seeing a lot of like millionaires, like multimillionaires. I don't know if you're familiar with the UFC, but Dana White's son goes to my school and a lot of like, like perfect people went to my school and it was like my first time ever seeing them. Like I always imagined, you know, you watch like, you know, you go on Instagram explore page you see a lot of like the girls on there it's like they look fake but then they're actually real and they're actually you know the chris hemsworths the the thors of the world they all go to these type of schools and i was like wow it's just a lot different from what i'm used to um but then going between those two environments helped me a lot in my future roles for sure because like i know how to deal with people from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life and i feel like i'm pretty open-minded and i don't really judge people for their pasts or anything which kind of helps in my role too you know, it's funny. I went to school for kinesiology and I have a movement science degree, but I am a software developer now and oh, wow. it's complete like 180 from what I was learning in school. And I feel like I kind of have a similar like perspective on it that, yeah, I, I don't use like almost anything of what I, what I learned in school in my current role, but I have told people that, you know, in kinesiology and in movement science, it's very, there's a lot of people like that. I remember in my classes, lots of athletes or lots of people that Mm -hmm. used to play sports. So in that regards, you do take with you this uh, aspect of like working in teams and working together with other people just because everybody else grew up playing or not everybody else, but a lot of people grew up playing team sports and they bring that attitude with them into like the kinesiology classrooms. And I feel like that has helped me in my current role. Cause you know, it's, it's not just me developing stuff. It's like our whole team. Um, we have like, a well, like about 10 people. So you have to learn how to work with certain people, kind of like what you were saying. Um, there's going to be some people where, you know, you can, you can push certain people and like myself maybe where, I get super motivated and driven, but if you Mm. try to push other people, they're going to get like discouraged and, oh, why are you pushing me so much? So yeah, Yeah. 
it kind of speaks a little bit of what you're saying in regards to like dealing with people. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, sales, the entire role is literally dealing with strangers every single day and like trying to get them to buy stuff from you, which is like one of the hardest things in the world. But I think if you learn sales, like a skill like that, then you can do anything else. Really. You can do anything else in the world. That's, I just had this conversation with my dad because we've been talking a lot about AI and chat GPT and yeah. I've used chat GPT a little bit and it's, it's great. It's helped me out like a lot, especially with software development and I can get answers kind of right away. But also I realized that, Hey, potentially some years down the line, like this could replace me. So, yeah. <laughs> and I was talking with my dad about, well, what are some positions that are always going to be needed? And one of them that came up is, yeah, sales. Like you still need people to go out there and sell, you know, chat GPT to potentially yeah. other people. Um, and I know actually you made a video in regards to like uh, traits and like the um, like the top three traits. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And <laughs> sometimes I have trouble remembering my own videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the traits needed to join the top one percent, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually can't remember the traits that I had, but <laughs> things like communication, competence, and something else. It's one of those. It's like the three C's. And I mean that that's directly. I mean, in sales is tons of communication. And oh yeah, yeah. That I feel like. That skill set, I, I completely agree with you. If you can be somebody who can get in front of people and have uh, persuasion skills or sales skills, that, that that will carry you forward regardless of, you know, other technological advancements. Like that stuff's kind of always going to be needed. Yeah, I mean, AI and robots can't do that yet all the soft skills. I mean, anything that can be automated, anything that's monotonous, like accounting work, some like boring finance work, that stuff can be done by ChatGPT eventually. But talking to people, doing presentations, doing a lot of persuasion, that stuff, that can't be taught yet, at least. Someday, maybe, but not yet. Oh, yeah, that'll be a scary day then <laughs> if that goes around. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do when that happens? I, oh uh, gosh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Now, in in this current role and with what you currently do with your YouTube channel, yeah. Um, it, now, actually, to back up a second, you you also th said that you do. Is it uh, kind of like consulting for like other media channels? Oh, for like, oh, I do video editing, basically, yeah, content creation. So I work with one YouTuber mainly right now. His name is Kunal. He has a channel called Probably Something. And he does a uh, finance YouTube work for the most part. So I just, I've been editing his videos and then I work with, um, a weed company. I've been doing like their short form content. Those have been like the main two at the moment. And like, there's other two that kind of like come off and on, but those are like the main, uh, sources of income. Oh, wow. Okay. It has it been tough for you to like juggle all of these different things? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, usually with this type of work, it always comes at once. It's never like a, a spread out for like source of work. It's more like this week, all of them want to film the same exact time and like all the videos come at once. And then I also want to do my own videos. And like, honestly, with my own videos recently, I've been like kind of slacking on the editing side just because I just want to get it out there at this point. Like 
I feel like I don't really need advanced editing too much in my videos since a lot of it can be talking head. But obviously when they're paying you to do advanced editing, you have to put all of your time and effort into it. Mm -hmm. So I'll definitely like prioritize their videos, then do mine just with less editing. And then with my day job, I just try to do everything I can within the eight hours that I'm there. Like as long as I do all my work within nine to five, then everything else can be done at night. But no, this is an interesting point because like you do have to make some sacrifices. Like I've been thinking about this too, talking with my coworkers and other people. Like you, it's hard, you can't have perfect body. You can have um, great social life and excel in all of these different entrepreneurial endeavors. Like you can't have all of those at once. You have to sacrifice something. Like whether that's sleep, you know, your health or um, your social circle to an extent. Like you have to sacrifice something, at least in the short term, to have excellence in one other area. I so yeah. right now I've been sacrificing. It's between health and and social circle. Like this past weekend, I was just making videos. I didn't want to go out or anything. But with health, you know, I, I go to jujitsu. Well, actually, mainly Muay Thai and boxing. Like I do a lot of MMA training. I'd go like once or twice a week. But honestly, in the next couple of months, I'll probably have to scale that down to like nothing. And maybe just like go out less too, just to like focus on this stuff. Because I do want to take um, like at least a couple, if you just spend like a couple months just putting a ton of energy and effort into just making videos, I think that can like accelerate the growth rather than just kind of like doing a little bit here and there and trying to be decent at everything rather than excellent at one thing. So that's kind of where my head's at right now. That is so funny because I also do jujitsu as well. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been training for, it's almost six years. Oh, wow. And, um, I'm, I'm here in, I'm in Michigan, like Detroit area, um, nice. purple belt now. Um, and do you compete? Have you ever competed in Muay Thai or jujitsu? I did karate most of my life and I competed in karate, but not Muay Thai or boxing yet. Jiu-Jitsu is like the, the one that I do the least of out of all of those. I'm mainly doing striking, but I like jujitsu a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so much fun. Um, and I, I totally know what you mean in regards to uh, like with me there's some weeks where i have to scale back from jujitsu because i just have other things going on and yeah. it's it hurts though sometimes like it's really tough for me to not train like i go crazy and like i have to always be doing something like if ever i go mm -hmm. through uh like a couple day stretch where i don't train like i feel off like something's yeah. not right. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess like with training, like I've been doing it for so long where like, it's become a part of my life. Like I just love doing it. Like, I know I was never really into other like traditional sports for the most part. I only liked doing fighting sports. I'm not sure why, but I want to make sure I can continue to do that for as long as I can. Maybe one day compete. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. I've done a few jujitsu competitions. Um, I've got a couple that I plan on doing coming up. And I will say I get, I get super stressed out and everything leading up to it. I just hate, like, I hate the waiting yeah. and I hate the anxiety of uh, like, who am I going to face? Like, uh, when do I go? Um, am I going to weigh in, uh, at the correct weight? Like, then I got to worry about my weight and it causes yeah. me, yeah, lots of anxiety. But then once it's over, I feel like, okay, thank God. Like it's finally over now. 
I mean, I feel the same way about like any type of physical activity. I think like anything in general, like it never feels great in the beginning, but then you feel great afterwards. And I feel like the things that are bad for you, it's the opposite. Like it feels good me like during that period, but then afterwards you kind of regret it and like you feel like shit a little bit, you know? So it's interesting how that works. It's kind of like the polar opposites. I, yeah, Kate, to add to that example, it's like with food, like I had cake, I was at a birthday party last night and I had cake and yeah, it's very tasty, but also yeah. I didn't feel too great afterwards. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Life is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Bodies are interesting. <laughs> so if if you had just graduated, so are you not are you like 21, 22 years old? 22, yeah. Wow, man. Wow, I wish like seeing your like the videos that you do and following your content, like I wish I would have been aware of like these topics. Like when I was, when I was th that age and I, I'm not that much older, I'm 31. Um, mm. but I feel like, yeah, I feel like you have, uh, especially at this age, I don't, I don't meet too many people at this age who are talking about this type of stuff. Um, and I don't know if, if you find the same, like within your like age cohort, are other people, your age group kind of thinking about these topics of entrepreneurship and self-improvement? Uh, not too many. Yeah. To be honest, not that many, but I think, you know, everybody knows about red pill topics somewhat because of Andrew Tate. Like he was the most famous guy in the world for like a year, mm -hmm. but for a lot of the other self-improvement topics and business, not really. I mean, unfortunately, not many people are into this stuff. Would, would you categorize like yourself as Gen Z or a millennial? Yeah, I'm definitely a Gen Z. Yeah, I think yeah. millennials, what's the cutoff? Probably like late 20s, probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm Gen Z, probably at the tail end of it, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, so I would say then my sister, because I have a sister who is, um, actually she's, she's the same age. Yeah, she's 22 as well. Oh, wow. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that there would be a big difference between us being, you know, nine, we're nine years apart ish. And I mean, it's a long time, but it's also not really a long time. And, but we couldn't be further like apart from each other. And I don't know if that's because like, she's a, she's a girl, I'm a guy and yeah. maybe, but there is a generational difference between millennials and Gen Z. I don't know, maybe if you, if you can speak to it, I can't quite put my finger on what the difference is, but it just feels different. It's funny because my brother's around your age too. So like I kind of have a similar experience with my brother, but I think the main difference between his generation, well, I guess your generation and mine is the internet and like smartphones, social media, all of that. Cause like I was kind of there when all of that was becoming very popular. And I think when you're around my age, that was like the birth of Facebook. So it was kind of like coming out as you're coming out of school. But for me, all of my schooling, I had social media, like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, et cetera. And that definitely has, a, like takes a toll on a huge influence on our culture and almost every regard, whether it's making money, dating, making friendships, all of that's affected by social media. And there's pros and cons to it, but I think for the most part, probably more cons than pros. Mm-hmm. Are, what are, 
what uh, social media apps do you currently use? Mainly Instagram. I don't really use Snapchat anymore. I think that's for younger people. Not that I'm like super old or anything, but like in high school, middle school, that's something people would use a lot. But mainly Instagram. And I use Twitter just to like check up on news. I don't really post on there much. And then YouTube, I guess you can consider social media, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Mainly Instagram. And, and um, do you do you like Instagram for things like related to like your content and getting messages out there? Like it's a very good platform for compared to like the other ones for just like spreading awareness, advertising, what have you. I like Instagram. Like I actually never mentioned my content on there. It's like, I kind of keep it secret from my personal life. Maybe I shouldn't, but because at least when I first started out, it was very personal. Like I have a lot of like personal videos on there and it's kind of awkward when you have people that you know in real life watching it. So on my personal Instagram, I just kind of talk about, well, I don't really talk about much. I just post like travel pictures, kind of things that I'm doing day to day, just kind of like the typical stuff you post on social media. But I guess I would say I prefer Instagram from the others, mainly because I think pictures and video matter a lot in this day and age. And it's kind of like you're getting a glimpse into somebody else's life. And then also, you know, now I think my generation prefers to use Instagram to message people than your generation. Like, I don't really text message too much anymore. A lot lot of times I'll like message through DMs because it's a lot easier to respond to someone's story. Like they'll be doing something cool and it's like you see a friend they haven't seen in years like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what are you up to these days? That type of thing. So it's easier to catch up when you see things that are happening in someone else's life. But I guess before social media, you just kind of have to check in every once in a while, like, hey, what have you been up to? But now you can kind of see what they're up to, which I guess brings you closer together. I guess in regards to friendships that are long distance, at least you can keep those close and always visit people. And that's like the main pro. But I guess the con is you spend so much time online where that becomes your main source of communication rather than in person. Yeah, I, I, I was just having this conversation uh, a couple days ago where I mentioned to somebody, if I really wanted to, I wouldn't have, I don't have to leave like my house if I didn't want to. Yeah. I, you know, you can have groceries delivered or food delivered and I work from home. So that's covered and any sort of, well, you know, Netflix, um, Hulu, I have entertainment, you know, I I don't have to go out and rent DVDs or anything like that. And for, as far as like social and yeah, like social, uh, interactions and relationships, I have, you know, Facebook or we can do like a zoom call. And (laughs) if I wanted to, I could just stay home, but is that the best thing to do? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like with anything, balance is key. Like I would be very depressed if I was just working from home all day and just doing like Zoom calls to meet people face to face and had no other interaction with people. But I guess like the fact that I'm able to go to office, I have a hybrid system. So the fact that I'm able to go in the office sometimes at least, I can like work with others. We can like bounce off ideas a little better. But, and I've worked remotely before during school and there was definitely a lot of pros with that, but I was also living with a lot of people that were my friends. I got a bunch of roommates. I was dating someone at the time. So like my social life was definitely excelling. So like the remote aspect kind of helped that actually. But I guess if you were moving to a new place, like once I graduated, a lot of, a lot of my friends left. So at this point I'm still trying to like meet new people and that'd be very difficult. I was just working from home and I was not going in the office at all. So mm-hmm. just there's pros and cons, I guess. I guess balance is key. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I have very much, I've gotten used to working from home and I've been doing it, uh, for three years, uh, basically since 2020. And I got, I'm just super used to it now, but I, I would, um, I'd be lying if I say I didn't miss going into the office and mm-hmm. like seeing people. And that's where, like, I'm very thankful I have the jujitsu gym because I get to go in and like battle it out with people like in the flesh, like for a couple hours, like multiple times a week. And I think that's what helps me stay sane from, yeah. you know, not seeing people most of the day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you watch Black Mirror, but I'm getting like Black Mirror vibes whenever I really talk about this stuff and think about it. But I guess like the thought of just living your entire life in your room kind of depresses me. Like before this video, I was actually watching a documentary on Amaranth. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a Twitch streamer. But I was watching her documentary and like her entire day is just in her room streaming. And she really has no social life. She has no friends. And it's kind of depressing. Like She makes a lot of money, but is it really worth it? If you're really just spending your entire life in your room, and that's kind of what we have to think about. So I guess making an effort to kind of go outside and meet people in person while also being able to make connections like this, like I wouldn't be able to do this without the internet or without social media. Yeah. So there's like pros and cons in that way, I guess. But as long as you able, you're able to maintain your in-person interactions, as well as extending and outreaching to people on your um, online interactions, I guess they can both go hand in hand and help each other out. Yeah, I, th- I think, I know you've mentioned it a couple of times now, like balance, like in your life. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, that's the key. I, and I've definitely had moments in my life where I have been out of balance, like where I've, I've, um, to use like the jujitsu example, I've trained way too much and I pay for it and like I get injured and yeah. then that's like the, uh, like the signal to me to, okay, I got to rein it back in and like collect myself. And then, you know, in regards to work, I've had times where I work way too much and like spend way too much on the, on the work laptop, especially working from home. It's easy. I work in the place that I live. So it's very easy for me to just go over here and log in, you know? Yeah. And then I get super stressed out. And I am not training as much. And then I have to rein myself back in. Um, Reminds me of something I read in this book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And he was saying how essentially the premise of the book is what's the one thing that you, you can do that by doing it would make everything else easier. And he says that it's okay that you're going to be out of balance at certain moments in your life. But the, the thing is you come back to balance and like really successful people, they do get out of balance first a little bit, but then they always like come back to neutral, like at some point. So it's in a way there's a balance within the unbalance. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that like, with that being said about balance, there's times we need to have unbalanced to excel in certain areas. Like if I'm splitting up my entire week or all my time between health, um, going out to see friends and everything like partying or whatever, and then also trying to build a business and a YouTube channel. If you do, if you split your time between all three of those things, it's hard to get great at any one of those. 
But if you just spend like a few months just focusing on one and kind of neglecting the other aspects in the short term, at least. And then once you finish with that, you can go back to balance afterwards. So no, I didn't, I didn't know about that book before, but it sounds really interesting. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, I did, a, I did chapter summaries of it on, on the, on the channel actually. And I had, mm. I read it, I read it once a years ago, but then I re- reread it again for the YouTube channel. And actually I picked up on, I feel like a lot of stuff that I missed or that I just didn't really, yeah, like I didn't really pay attention to on my first read through and maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know if you feel like this sometimes that maybe, um, there's certain times there's like timing is everything like in life Mm -hmm. sometimes. And like the message is there, the messages were there before, but I wasn't ready to hear it until like I got to the age that I am now. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that before. Yeah, I think in general, like you have signs everywhere, but then you only really pay attention to them once it's relevant to your life. Mm. And I feel like even with Red Pill content, that's kind of the same way. Like, I'm sure I've come across Red Pill videos before in the past, but I didn't start finding this content until a breakup, which kind of makes sense. Like once you're in a breakup mode, you kind of look up the typical, like, how do I get my ex back, that type of thing. And then you find certain videos that are related to the Red Pill and that's how you go down that rabbit hole. So that's how I found it. How'd you end yeah. up finding the Red Pill videos? Kind of curious. I it was something similar. I was just um at 20, 2017, I was like at the like worst like part of my life, like kind of pretty much like a midlife crisis, even though I wasn't at mm-hmm. like midlife. Um and it had a big part of that was to do with like uh, uh relationships and women and dating and yeah. i was like okay like i need to fix something and but i don't know how to do it and i think that's how i started just searching online initially i came across uh rollo tomasi's books and i i actually have them i have three of them here oh wow and i read i read them and i know he's got a fourth one i haven't read that one but um, I read that, started like listening to, uh, to content and it, I will say I definitely made changes that improved myself in those areas in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I think maybe you, th- you think the same way is like, there, I like the content and I like the message, but I tailor it to, you know, just my life experience and you know i don't I, basically i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't follow it like a hundred percent like there's some things that I, f- I feel like apply and then there's other things like like okay it's cool to like go out and try to get girls and date but what about once you are in a relationship it's almost like a different uh dynamic that's kind of what i find myself in now because i'm I've been in a pretty serious relationship for the past several months and, you mm-hmm. know, I have to, yeah, I have to make adjustments. I can't just be like that person that, uh, um, you know, Ro- Rolo talks about or like uh, these other content creators talk about. And I, I feel like you kind of have a similar message from some of the red pill videos, uh, that I've seen in, on, on your YouTube channel. Yeah, I think we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to Red Pill. 
Like I'm sure in your relationship right now, you're not like talking to her about having a rotation. You know what I mean? I'm sure it doesn't like bode well with that, but like there's certain things that apply in a serious relationship versus I guess just like sleeping around. But I guess like the benefits of the red pill, especially during that time of my life was accountability. Just like looking at what did I do wrong? What could I do better in the future? And there's definitely like looking back, there's always mistakes, always things you could have improved on. There's always signs you could have looked for, but you never really think about that in the moment. Cause like when I, when I met my ex at that time, it was like, I think 20, it was 2020. It was during COVID. So I was 19. So I was like pretty young and she was older than me. And this was like my first like really serious relationship. So I was still kind of like figuring things out in that regard. But I guess looking back, things that I would have changed were, I guess not putting, I guess not putting my hundred percent in the relationship in the sense where I didn't really have my own thing going on as much. Like, you know, if we weren't dating, I probably would have started this YouTube channel a lot, like a lot earlier. Like, but like when you're in a really happy and serious relationship, at least for me at that time, it was hard for me to balance it. And there you go. Like there's the the word balance again. But during that time, I was just too involved in the relationship, just too like content where I just didn't see a need to do anything else. I'd like I was doing school remotely. I had a remote, like a part-time remote job that was making decent money. And like at that time I was invested in crypto too. So everything was doing well, like crypto's doing well, stocks, all of that. So everything was pretty much peaking. So I didn't see a need to do anything else or try anything different. But it wasn't until the breakup where I was kind of convinced to try something else to kind of find an outlet. And even more than an outlet, like something I can call my own, I guess, building my own identity outside of that relationship. And that's how I started the YouTube channel. And that's how I started doing everything that I'm doing now. And when it comes to content, like whether it's editing my own videos or other people's videos. And that's, I mean, even looking at my college career, I didn't start taking that very seriously until after the breakup. Like I didn't start doing internships or any of that until my senior year. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, COVID may have played a part in that, but I think the relationship played the bigger part. Mm. So I think, at least for me personally, things might change in the future, but you can't give 100% of your time and energy in a relationship and also build your own thing at the same time, put like 100% in it. But I mean, now that I'm more experienced, I think maybe I'll look at that differently in my next long-term relationship. Maybe, I mean, I think to be fair, at that time, it was during COVID. So we pretty much spent 24-7 with each other. Mm-hmm. So there's really nothing else to do. We couldn't go outside or anything. So I think in most relationships, like people are working, you're going to classes in person, you're spending time apart. But we had zero time apart for years. So I think that probably affected our own personal lives like, or careers and professional lives too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... It's funny, bef- uh, before we started recording, like my my girlfriend's going to come over later, but she knows, she, like she knows that, you know, you and I are talking and that yeah. she, um, she just knows that I have like other things like going on and I know she's got other things going on and um, we don't, we kind of have like that, uh, that boundary or like that respect for like, we're both trying to make things happen. And she's a doctor and she's in uh, a fellowship right now. So I know that's super busy, you know, and she has to devote time to that. And then, you know, I do software development and I try to do stuff with the YouTube channel and interviews. So, you know, I devote time to that too. So I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's just balance. <laughs> Again. Oh Yeah. <laughs> 
And I guess like, I'm sure you've seen like fresh and fit and all those podcasts and everything, but I don't think, I mean, there's, again, there's truth. There's always truths to some talking points, but then I think the faults with fresh and fit, it's that it's not very representative of all of women. Like most women I know aren't like the girls they have on fresh and fit. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same case for you, but like, I think my, I've been in Miami, I have family out there. It's a completely different crowd from what the most of the country is. So I think if you just, if you have like a skewed version of like a certain type of woman on a podcast and then you make them look stupid and ask dumb questions, then you say, oh, this kind of proves our point. I don't think that's very fair, but I mean, they've had some like smart women on the panel where I did agree with them. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like they're holding themselves well, but for the most part, it doesn't happen that often. Like they, they pretty much find like random people in Miami. I th- I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think with me, I would, I would consume a a lot of content in this area to the point where I thought that that was, those were the type of women out there. And Mm -hmm. it made me um, apprehensive a little bit to date, or it made me like Mm -hmm. very careful because I like, I don't want to be, I don't want to date anybody like that, but (laughs) I think I think you're right that that is totally not even that's just not all women are like that and it took me a while and experience and when I really did start dating to realize oh yeah that's you know most people are just in the middle like yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I mean you only find the extremes on the internet cuz that's what sells but most people aren't really like that even like with politics or with the red pill content, the majority of people are kind of in the middle. Yeah. I, and, uh, one of my, one of my friends, uh, we were talking about this and he had, he made a good point to say that, you know, a lot of content creators in this space, and maybe I was trying to make this point earlier that, you know, they can, they show you the, like the tips and the advice to go out, date a lot of women, but they may, maybe don't really show you how to, keep the woman and like my goal like my my girlfriend and i have an understanding like my goal is you know marriage and a family and you know but maybe if that's your goal i don't know if you know some of some content creators out there are making content centered around like that being the goal yeah (laughs) like having a rotation and all that yes yeah Um, yeah i don't know how that like does in a like a real relationship, but I guess if you just want to sleep around, then it makes sense. If you're just dating around, the red pill content actually works pretty well. But if you want to have a family and like have a marriage and a wife and all of that, I don't think it's the best idea to follow that advice. But <laughs> I mean, maybe for some people it works, but like when I imagine my dream relationship, when it's like like a serious one where like there's marriage, there's children and all of that, I don't know if I'd want to have like 10 different wives that I'm just kind of like rotating around. It would just be kind of weird. And I think like, when you have kids too, it's probably not good for children to see that. Like, especially if you have daughters too, and it's like, you just kind of treat the rest of your wives, um, like something the right, maybe like, like just like cattle, like flesh, you know what I mean? Not really like seriously, mm-hmm. like you're not really treating them as like human beings. So when it comes to that, like when it comes to a family environment, I don't think it's a great idea, but with just dating, just sleeping around, it does work. But it just kind of depends yeah. what you're trying to do. You know, I, I find myself like when I, before years ago, I would go to, 
uh, YouTube and podcasts to get advice as far as dating. And now, like in the situation that, that I'm in, I'm finding myself going to like people who are already married for advice. Yeah. Um, or like who are already in uh, very serious relationships because um, I feel like they're, you know, they're going to give me what you know, what, what's worked for them and what I hope and aspire like to become like the situation that they're in. Um, and maybe like to something that you said earlier with just what sells on the internet, maybe just stuff in regards to, Hey, here's how like you have a healthy relationship and marriage. Maybe that just doesn't sell as well. I don't think that sells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, like the Daily Wire guys kind of have that message, and they do pretty well, obviously. But I guess, like, if you want to go viral quickly, it's probably not the best idea. Like, you probably want to go towards like a more extreme route. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely an audience for what we're talking about. Like, there's definitely a lot of like I guess more conservative channels that talk about marriage and things like that, and and they're doing mm-hmm. well, obviously. So it exists, but. When it comes to virality and like going big, mm-hmm. probably sells quicker at least to go with the the fresh and fit route, mm-hmm. the red pill route. But I guess like there's things I do agree with. I mean, like I do have a lot of disagreements, but it's more like I probably agree with maybe 80%, 90% of the entire red pill. And then my only disagreements are kind of like what we're talking about where I think it only really works if you're just dating around, sleeping around. If you're in a very serious relationship, most women aren't okay with you cheating but they kind of have this idea where like they think it's normal. And maybe if you, I mean, I, I don't have this experience because I'm not like a multimillionaire. Maybe if you're a multimillionaire, you can get away with it. But I think for the most part, 90% of men can't get the way, maybe like even more, 99% of men can't get away with just cheating on their wives mm-hmm. and like having a whole harem of wives like like Andrew Tate or something. But <laughs> um, I guess the things that I do agree with is that I think in general, women do like, to date up for the most part like I'm, i have co-workers that are in their late 20s right now and they talk to me about dating all the time and they one of the things they mention a lot is like they want someone who makes as much money as them or more which is kind of what we talk about like what the whole red pill space talks about with hypergamy which kind of makes sense to me and then of course like she wants to date guys that are taller than them which also makes sense which kind of follows in line with red pill and with her in particular she only really wants to date guys that are six foot and above which kind of like, and just this girl is a very smart woman. She's not like the fresh and fit girls that they have on the podcast, but even, even them, they have similar standards. So I think when it comes to the standards, there's a lot of truth, but at the same time, people will make exceptions for the right person. Mm. So, I mean, it, I think with the social media age, it's very easy to have more options as a woman, especially because when you look at dating apps, it's like 70% men, 30% women, sometimes even worse and on, on Tinder, other apps like that. So when you have so many options, it's a lot easier to be pickier, which kind of makes sense in that regard. And I think in those senses, the red pill makes a lot of sense. But I think it's also exaggerated where it isn't as black and white as they make it seem to be. Like like I said before, like if a woman meets a guy at a bar who doesn't exactly meet all the standards that she has, I don't think she will turn him down necessarily. But I think it's easier to turn people down when you have a dating app. And it's just based on metrics like height, weight, how much money you earn, what you look like, the pictures you post. When it comes down to very um, superficial metrics, a lot of the red pill makes sense. But then I think when you go maybe to smaller towns 
or to more in-person environments, a lot of that kind of goes out the window somewhat. But again, like maybe age has something to do with it too. Like older people think more about long-term relationships and um, I'm going to have a family. So I'm looking for a guy that makes this much money to be able to afford taking care of like a family of four or something. And things are very expensive in this country. So that makes sense with inflation going up. But I think maybe closer to my age, I think maybe looks matter more and like uh, how fun is your lifestyle, those type of things. So just maybe it's an age thing. I think social media plays a big factor. And yeah, I mean, I think the red pill for the most part has a lot of truths, but I don't think you should have it warp your worldview where you have like a negative outlook on either women or just the dating market in general. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. And I did want to ask you about online dating. I made this comment once to my girlfriend that, cause we met online actually, uh, we mm -hmm. met on hinge and I told her that like, I don't, um, it sounded like when I was telling her this, like I regret it, but it, it's not that. It's just I told her that I'm disappointed that it took me to uh, sign up to go online to meet somebody because I always had this um, this idea that, hey, I want to do things the, like, quote, unquote, like natural way, like meet somebody yeah. at church or school or like just going out to a coffee shop, bookstore, uh, even bar or what have you, and, you know, doing it like that because that's more difficult to do. And online is a little bit um, easier, efficient. And yeah. I was telling her just, ah, like, like I wish, I wish it could have been different, but like we can't change that. And online dating isn't like bad by any stretch, but I don't know. I, I don't know what I was trying to convey to her in that, but just that, you know, I have gone back and forth on online dating and I, I did it for a while and then I got frustrated and then I stopped doing it for a while and then I got back on it. And I guess thankfully I did because I, I met this uh, great woman, but like, man, mm. did it, did it really like, did it have, did I have to do it that way? Like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I don't know what what uh what other thoughts do you have about like uh, these online dating apps and um like the kind of the pros and cons that you see with online dating? Yeah, I mean it's kind of funny because I'm making a, a similar video to what we're talking about right now. I guess in regards to like outreach, where I think the best idea, I mean for me personally, because I'm in sales and there's a lot of things that translate from sales to dating. So I think just doing as much outreach as you can, whether that's online dating like Instagram DMs, going to bars, meeting people in person, just like making as many friends as possible. I think doing all of those things will increase your chances to finding somebody that will be best suited for you. But and also in sales, yeah, you get thick skin doing a lot of the stuff. Like you get a bunch of rejections doing sales. A lot of people you don't want to talk to, a lot of people you don't like. So again, like with online dating, like I said before, the odds are in women's favor for the most part, since there's just there's so many men, there's so many guys to choose from. And for the most part, women, I feel like women aren't as like, they don't need sex as much as guys do. I don't know, I could be wrong, but that's why like there's 70% men on these apps. They're just, they're just like, we're looking for it more, mm -hmm. which definitely like skews things a lot. Like there's more desperation on men's end for like intimacy, sex, relationships than I think for women. 
maybe some of that has to do with biology but then also i think women have closer friendships with each other than men do mm. i think like men won't really talk about their feelings as much with each other especially if it's like feelings about sadness or like insecurities but women will do that all the time like women will openly talk about things they're insecure about they'll compliment other women on their looks or say that they're not as pretty as the other one like they'll say things like that but i've never ever heard a guy say something similar at all but I guess in that sense, with online dating, my experience has been a mixed bag, I guess. Like I've had some good experiences with online dating. Like with I use Hinge a lot too. Like that's probably mm -hmm. my favorite app to use. I don't like Tinder. Tinder's just kind of like a suspect, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's just it's just it's gross. I don't <laughs> I've tried Bumble too, but like I don't like Bumble. I don't know. Just never had much luck there. But Hinge is the one where I like been able to get a decent amount of dates and meet like like interesting women that I talk to. And again, like the women that you meet on these apps, they're not like the fresh and fit girls. So that's why I never really had that skewed image that I had, like maybe some people have watching Red Pill content, but just like meeting women on Hinge, you learn a lot about like what girls are looking for, like where their headspace is and like what you're looking for also. But when I met my, my ex, I actually did it through Instagram DM. So I guess in some way, it's not like online dating, but it was like online in some sense, like through social media. So I feel like you shouldn't turn down any options, any potential options, because maybe some people online are saying to, I think you never know. You only need one yes to change your life. You only need to like, meet one right person to change your entire life. So do as much as you can in all aspects, but at the same time, don't make it your world. Because at the, like if you, like with sales, I had a conversation with this about this with uh, my coworker. Like if you work from home doing sales, it's very disheartening because you get a bunch of rejections and you're alone in your room. But if you're like around a group of people that are like giving you good feedback and you're all like joking around about the rejections, then you kind of feel better about it. So if you have like a good solid base of friends, you have like a good solid base of things going on in your own life, then I think it's easier to deal with the rejections that you will inevitably face when it comes to dating, especially online dating. So I think you need to have that foundation first and then you can kind of go towards doing a bunch of outreach and dating, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, and you know, I, I've had other friends tell me that too. And where I've, in the past, I've been adamant of um, just doing like cold approaches. Um, yeah. I was just super adamant that, hey, I'm I'm just going to do it this way because uh, I, I don't like you know, being put in a proverbial box, like in online dating and, yeah. you know, just being judged like off my, uh, off my profile, which is not entirely representative of me. So I'm going to go against the grain and I'm just going to do cold approaches. And I had a friend tell me, no, it's kind of the exact same thing that you mentioned. And he said, well, Chris, why not just do both? And I said, well, yeah, yeah I mean, that makes the most sense <laughs> that, yeah, that makes the most sense. Um, and I'm, and I have no regrets of doing it. And like, like you said, it, it just took one to like really, um, just one hit. And yeah. luckily I found, found somebody and yeah, I guess that was maybe just my own stubbornness and wanting to go, go against the grain. Um, but you're right. Like, why not? Why not try both and yeah, just do all of it? Just do all of it. <laughs> I I have actually told I've told my my girlfriend that I think it is 
I think it is still important that men do um, cold approaches and to, 100%. yeah, just to like get, get used to, I think another thing that you mentioned, like get used to the rejection because yeah. that rejection hurts. I don't know. Do you think like reject, like in-person rejection like hurts more than like just getting swiped? left on uh, yeah like. definitely <laughs> that's why people are more afraid to do it like it's easier to swipe on an app and like just text message people than it is to like go up to someone in person and deal with like in-person rejection for sure mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think you should definitely learn how to do that like my friend he's very into like the pickup artist stuff on on youtube and everything he watched a lot of that content so whenever i go out to bars i'll be with him and he's been doing it He's very impressive, honestly. He's been doing it for like over a year and he would go by himself. Like last summer, he's still in school right now. He, last summer, he would go every single, um, not every single day, but like probably three to four times a week. He'd go to bars in San Diego by himself and just like cold approach a bunch of women. And at this point, he's really good at it. Like I've known him for a while, like since he turned, turned 21. And I've seen his progression from the beginning of when he started going to bars until now. And he's like, he's definitely a pro at it. Like he can talk to anybody and just, he knows what to say. And I feel like if I were to give advice on cold approach, it would be based off my experience with him. Like he's taught me a lot mm -hmm. just cause like, it isn't really about what you say exactly. It's just more like how you say it. And just the fact that you're saying something, especially in an environment where everyone's drunk, like no one's really thinking too carefully about what you're saying. And I think one thing that I've dealt with a lot throughout my life is overthinking things. And I think in social settings, that's like the opposite of what you should do. Like you should not overthink anything. You should just kind of like go up to people and just kind of say what's on your mind. And as long as the intent is right and like the the way you're saying it is right, I think it could work because I mean, this is kind of like my thought on dating. I think people either like you or they don't within like the first few minutes of meeting you. I think it's very difficult to like change someone's mind. And even that has to do with sales too, like the best salespeople just connect willing buyers to willing sellers. They're not trying to convince someone that doesn't want to buy from you to buy from you. So I think if you just put yourself out there as much as you can and show the best qualities about yourself, the people that like you will come towards you. And I think I found that in online dating, I found that going to like doing cold approaches at bars, clubs, what have you, like you can tell who's into you within the first few seconds of talking to somebody. Like if they're not, if you're talking to someone and they're like giving one word responses, they look like they want to do something else, go, go with their friends. Then it's just, there's no point in pursuing that. But if you're talking with somebody and they're giving back, they're like reciprocating all the energy you're giving them. Then I think that's something you should pursue. And like, that's something that's a lot easier. So you just kind of finding the cues and figuring out what people like you, which people don't, I guess, like, I think everybody has people they do better with for the most part. Like I've, I've definitely noticed that myself. But yeah, I mean, just do as much outreach as you can, put yourself out there, kind of like cast a wide net, if you will. And then the people that like you will find you. That's kind of like my philosophy towards it. But I think doing cold approaches and you need to have that rejection, even if you don't want it, like if you're like approaching someone you think will absolutely not talk to you, it's important to get told no and kind of like deal with that circumstance of someone like not like having ha not having to do anything with you, like not wanting to talk to you at all. Like it's really important to learn. Yeah, I, um, I just thought of, and I, I have a couple things to follow up on. One of them is, I, I just remembered, or I just thought of, about this in regards to cold approaching and cold approaching versus online dating. And 
mm-hmm. in today's world, do people still go out like they used to or is now online dating is more preferable now because of the fact that everybody's doing online dating and people are starting to feel, hey, I don't need to go out anymore. So by virtue of just playing um, numbers and getting like casting that wide net, it's better to do the online dating because if you go out and try to cold approach, well, there's just nobody out there to cold approach. Hmm. That's a really good question, actually kind of off topic but like you're really good at interviewing i'm kind of getting like lex friedman vibes i don't know if you watch this podcast <laughs> oh yeah like, both, yep. both in a tech doing jujitsu i kind of get like lex friedman vibes it's pretty cool but i guess <laughs> to answer the question <laughs> um i think if anything if you learn how to cold approach in this day and age that actually helps you more since less people are inclined to do it like you become more rare as a person like if you're an excellent an excellent communicator if you're good at cold approaches can if you have thick skin it can deal with rejection it separates you from the majority of men in the world since back in the day like before the internet's the only way you would meet women mm-hmm. so i guess everybody back then had thicker skin probably but now with like the ease of social media and dating apps i'm sure there's a lot of guys that are just resorting to dating apps and not trying to do cold approaches but if you can do cold approach then it def- definitely separates you from a lot of people but i guess it's hard to compare how many people are going out now compared to, I guess, like previous generations? Like, I wouldn't know, but there's definitely a lot of people that are out, obviously, and like, especially like college parties. There's a lot of like, um, maybe if you're not going to bars, but if you want to go to like house parties, that's probably the best way to meet a lot of people, like within different social circles. I mean, if anything, I prefer house parties than going to bars and clubs, mm-hmm. just because I feel like it's more intimate and you can like talk to people more than you could at a bar because the music's too loud or what have you. But yeah, I mean, it's probably this kind of depends, but I think maybe it's different from the past where everybody would be at bars and clubs, but now it's kind of split between dating apps, bars, clubs, and then also like house parties and things like that. So I guess it kind of depends, but again, you want to hit all angles. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe it's a little more effort on, on guys parts nowadays since you got to do all different angles, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt to see what options are out there and just kind of like try as much as you can. And another thing you had mentioned and about um, like, you know, within the first like couple seconds, like if there's a connection, I, I completely, I, I agree with that. That's what I've found just in my experience as well. And it reminds me of uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. And I, I actually tell this. (laughs) Love that movie. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I love that movie too. In the movie, he talks about uh, that like "sell me this pen" scene, yeah. and I think he hits he hits the nail on the head with that with that scene in saying that you know, okay, write your write your name down on this napkin. I can't. I don't have a pen. Well, okay, supply and demand. It sounds like you need a pen. Yeah. Versus if. If you go around and you just try to sell everybody a pen and like spend mm-hmm. all your energy on somebody who already has a collection of pens, it's like not your best usage of of time, I, I guess. And I think that remind reminded me of when you were speaking earlier about online dating and just like connecting 
uh, uh, buyers to sellers. Like just, you're just trying to find like that one person who just, who needs a pen. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, you're not exactly. <laughs> like, um, you're not trying to oversell yourself, but you're just trying to like present yourself and just see, you know, Hey, who, like, who needs a pen and is this going to work? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's about like presenting yourself to the right crowd rather than just trying to like convince the crowd to buy from you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way I see it. Like, I guess from my experience at bars, the best experiences I've had is when it's easy. I think dating a relationship should be easy. I don't think it should be hard. Like, if you're trying to convince someone to like you, it's already a red flag. I think it's not even worth pursuing at that point. Mm-hmm. But then, even with that being said, like some guys have different approaches where they think, you know, persistence is key. Like, even if someone doesn't like you. They should still try like, you know, Grant Cardona watches videos a lot. Mm, And the way he met his wife was like, he cold called her for like, like weeks on end. And she would, she would reject him every single time, but now they're married with children. So, I mean, for the most part, like from my point of view, I guess I prefer to present myself in front of people that like me already, but some other people have different approaches that work for them. So I don't know if I have all the answers when it comes to that, but it's from my experience, the the relationships that I've had with people, whether it's like short term or long term, it's worked so much better when it was very easy and we just like knew we liked each other within the first few weeks of meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to, um, like, like you said, convince somebody. Like, I'm not, I'm not out here to convince anybody of like anything. I just, yeah you know, even, I guess even like with my, with the YouTube channel and the, like the books that I do, like I, mm-hmm. I never try to like convince anybody that, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, like with winning in mind or like the four agreements or, uh, the alchemist, like that, like these books will solve all your answers. Like that, I just put out the content, like, here's what this book says. I kind of like this message and, you know, you might like it too, but maybe you might not and that's okay you know mm-hmm. there's other there's plenty of other books out there that you know you can read or what have you so yeah that, i like that approach to to life and dating yeah oh yeah for sure i mean i guess it'd be interesting to talk about um the differences between male issues versus like in your generation versus mine because i don't really know much about your point of view because um you know, it's been a lot can change in 10 years, you know, with social media, dating apps and everything. Because like, I guess in your opinion, what do you think has been the main difference between, I guess, like my age, like guys dealing with issues my age versus your age? <sighs> like, do you think a lot of the same issues persist? Like they persisted back then? Or is it just worse now? That's a good question. Um, I almost, I want to say that it might have gotten it might have gotten worse because mm-hmm. you know with post covid you know dealing with that uh dealing with the economy even though like the stock market's been crazy and you know it's still going up and stuff but you know unemployment where it was and i i guess it's not bad now i i don't really follow it too much but like there's underlying economic, let's just say that, that maybe there's underlying economic issues. There's, um, 
uh, there was like an increase in, um, in, uh, or just, uh, like virtual, like classes being virtual. Um, Mm -hmm. people say that, um, men are getting even more so left behind as far as, um, uh, school graduating with, uh, degrees, um, women making more than men or like being, uh, more successful and going to school at higher rates. And I think over time, it's some of that stuff has been more pronounced to make me want to say that the, uh, the, the issues facing men today are like worse than like when I was, uh, younger. Um, but, but I don't know, maybe, maybe those it's always been there and maybe I'm just paying more attention to it now. So I don't know. I kind of like, maybe I'm somewhere like in the middle, maybe like, maybe it has gotten worse, but also maybe just, I'm just paying more attention to it now. So it seems like it's gotten worse. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I probably lean towards the side of it getting worse just because, I mean, in general life has gotten harder, I think more recently than ever before. And at least economically for people like the decline of the middle class in general, But I think it was an interesting point you brought up with, um, I guess, women being more successful nowadays than men, at least when it comes to like college graduates and like earning higher, higher incomes. Mm -hmm. I mean, since for the most part, women prefer to date at the same level or above. And if they're increasingly becoming more valuable in in any any type of marketplace, whether it's like financial or sexual, then it's hard to find a lot of guys that meet those requirements of making the same amount of money or above. And like with guys, the one thing that is true with the red pill is guys will date women that make less than them for sure. Like, I mean, at least for me, like, I don't mind at all dating someone who makes less money than I do, mm-hmm. but that can't be say, that can't be the same for a lot of women who choose to date. Like, I mean, there's exceptions obviously, but for the most part, women would prefer to date someone who makes as much or more. And it's interesting. Cause like I work with, again, the, that millennial woman that I work with, she talks about this a lot. Mm-hmm. she's saying that she's kind of like boxed herself out by making a lot of money herself and which is kind of the same talking points from the red pill where like she can't find a lot of guys that she's looking for and if she does find guys that make a lot of money she's saying a lot of them are either emotionally unavailable or they're kind of like for lack of a word like psychopathic mm-hmm. which i think is it's kind of a common trait with a lot of rich guys but i will say we could talk about that in a bit but um i guess when she finds guys that are more emotionally available and guys that are like more, um, I guess in touch with their feelings, I guess those guys tend to make less money. So it's kind of like, which way do you go? There's no really, there's no middle ground anymore. So she's kind of dealing with that on the, the female perspective at least. So I think that's something the guys don't really have to deal with where guys will date women. Like they don't really consider finances as much. Like at least for me, when I think about the ideal woman, it's more about, okay, is she intelligent? Is she, is she loyal? Does she have the right values? That type of thing where mm-hmm. it's not really, it's not necessarily correlated with wealth. But I think when it comes to women trying to find men, it's all of those. Like I think they would prefer a guy who's loyal, who's also intelligent, that makes enough money to provide for potentially himself and the rest of the family. Also has good values, is taller than them, um, physically fit etc and those are like a lot more requirements that were listed than uh, for the ones that men have for women so i guess in that sense it's gotten harder since women have become i guess more valuable and more successful over time yeah i you said it yeah you said it in a way better way than i was trying to say um yeah 
I, you know, it's funny because my girlfriend being a doctor, um, she will make more money than me, which we had that Mm. conversation actually. And, um, I thought it was kind of interesting that, cause she, she knows how much money I make and it's, she's, she's still in school now. So, you know, residents and fellows, they don't get paid that much, um, from what I hear, but there will come a day where she does. So we did Mm -hmm. sit down and have that conversation like, so, okay, so you're not, you're not with me for my money. Like, (laughs) 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 so that's good to know. Like we just kind of got that out of the way. Um, but I do get how, and she brought this up that a lot of guys, um, might feel some type of way about that. Like, Oh, Mm. my girl makes more money than me. And I thought about that too, but in, and like, oh yeah, would like, would I have an issue with that? And no, I mean, you know, I, I don't. And I, I, I know that maybe in the red pill community, they would say that maybe that is an issue. And, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't feel, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like, unless maybe a woman like holds it over your head and yeah. like, you know, uses it as like a, sort of bargaining chip, so to speak, that, okay, maybe that then I would have a problem with it, but I, I don't get that vibe from my current situation now. So yeah. Yeah. I guess my take on that is I like dating women that are smarter than me. Cause I think I like learning from new people and having like really stimulating conversations. But if I did have a preference, I think I wouldn't want there to be a huge gap in income between me and like my potential partner or whatever. Um, I think I prefer to make more, but it's not like a requirement. But again, like in my ideal situation, I think she'd be smarter than me, but I would make more. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but they, don't, they don't always go hand in hand though. Usually if you're smarter, you make more, but I don't know. That's like my ideal situation. That's what I've had in the past, but I don't know. Things can change. I'm, I'm very open-minded, so. Mm-hmm. Open and changing my mind. <laughs> With, I guess, like in general, I don't like it when people have leverage over me. I think that's like the biggest thing about it. Like, if I was in a relationship where she had a bunch more leverage financially, maybe like intellectually, it's like, okay, like, what am I bringing to the table at this point? Mm. I think that'd be a little strange for me, but I think it'd be a good balance if like she was better at me at certain things and that was like I had leverage in other areas too. So as long as there's like maybe a balance in that section, I don't know. No, I, I like that word you use leverage. That's a very, yeah, very good word. Um, <laughs> and I know it's a word that is used in finance too, a lot. Like you're over leveraged, like, uh, yeah. you've, um, like if you're trading on margin and you borrow a lot of money to buy a stock, like you're over leveraged, like what if that stock goes down and then. Like you're out yep. tons of money. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that word. I actually, it's funny. I wrote that word down. Um, it's a uh-huh. good reminder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good reminder. Yeah, we talk about it a lot in finance. So it's definitely a word that comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the, like, and I know you, I know earlier we talked about that, like the traits of like super successful people. And you had mentioned how <laughs> a lot of, a lot of rich people have like, or are um, psychopathic. Oh um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, it, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made me think about something that I I said 
a while ago in that these super successful people like your Elons or your Zuckerbergs, uh, Dorsey's or your, I'm trying to think of Jack Ma's or Bill Gates, to get to the point, to get to the positions that some of these guys are in, you're going to have to ruffle some feathers and yeah. you're going to make people, you're going to piss people off basically. Yeah. And I feel like there's no way around it. Like you're going to be hated. It's like when you run for president or something like that, you're guaranteed just half the country is going to hate you. And it, it's kind of similar to like in business or in, or in whatever um, entrepreneurship, what have you that, you're going to step on, you're going to step on some toes. And I don't know if that's kind of with what you were going for with the, the the psychopathic thing that like, there's just like a certain personality where they just don't care. They're going to like run over you to get to the top, something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts I have on this topic, I guess, but I mean, one thing, like I mentioned it before, when I first started going to USD, my previous school, I started meeting a lot of different people that I wasn't used to before. And I think especially in the business world, you have like, I mean, a lot of fake people where they'll talk a certain way to your face and then say a lot of things behind your back. And a lot of it's done because of like politics, I guess, like they'll do it because they have an end goal in mind. Like they're very, um, they think very carefully about what they say. Like there's always a reason behind everything. And I think you kind of have to be that way a lot in business. There's a lot of persuasion and communication involved. But I think when it comes to personal relationships, there's like a line you shouldn't cross. Like, I get it. Like, there's certain cases you have to like do white lies here and there. You have to do certain things, but and like act persuasively. But like, you know, we're, we're friends. Maybe we shouldn't act like this to each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I mean, as I've like met more successful people and I speak with them, I'm like, well, you guys are definitely like pretty cold. Like you guys are very ruthless in that sense. So that makes sense about what you were saying. But I mean, it's not everybody, but there's definitely a large portion of people that like, especially I think men in particular, I think they're probably more psychopathic than women are, mm-hmm. which probably find more men in uh, like positions in business, like leadership positions at least, like C-suite and all of that. But I think, it, well, in general, if you're C-suite, you're probably pretty cutthroat and ruthless because that's, you know, for the recruiting ends of the work that I do at my job, I do a lot of C-suite positions to fill. And those guys are all kind of similar in that way. Mm-hmm. But even more than that, I think a lot of people can't handle success. I think when they have large amounts of success, it gets to their head. They have very big egos. They do feel like they're better than a lot of other people. And that's definitely a common trait that I've seen with a lot of guys that I've worked with. And I, you know, I can't get too specific because I, I do currently work with a lot of people like that. So <laughs> I don't want to get like too in depth, but um, there's definitely like something that I'm balancing myself is like morality and doing what we have to do to women. So like, I mean, there's definitely like lines I wouldn't cross to like get to where I want to get in life, but there's definitely, you know, I've seen certain things, um, you know, I, I trying to think of ways to say it without getting specific, but mm-hmm. I've seen things in the business world where I'm like, this doesn't feel right, but I guess we kind of have to do this to make money. And even more than that, it's like when you see people that you look up to during certain, doing certain things where it's like, it's probably not like the best role model in at least in a morality sense, but you know, they're doing well financially, like career wise, there's someone to look up to, but maybe I wouldn't handle this situation in, in this certain way. That's kind of like where my headspace is right now. Mm-hmm. 
how important do you think it is then to like stay grounded? Like if you get to like a certain point in your life where business is booming, you're, you're making good money and to not get carried away and have that big ego to like every once in a while, maybe you do what, what Zuckerberg does and he does jujitsu too. And you go and get choked out every once in a while just to like kind of keep yourself in check like oh yeah like i i don't know everything and there's people in life that are a lot better at other things and um yeah like i'm good at this certain thing but it's not you know i'm not good at everything and just to kind of keep your ego in check like do, do you think that's kind of important oh yeah for sure i mean there's always someone better at something than you are I guess like being around people that can humble you, it's probably a good idea, whether that's like athletically or being around people that are richer than you, like living better lifestyles, it kind of puts you in a different headspace. But I guess with that being said, I think as you get more successful, it becomes more difficult to maintain certain dynamics with your current relationships. Like, I mean, people from high school, I don't really talk to them anymore because we're just so different now. Mm-hmm. But I th- I'm sure like if I became like a multimillionaire, it would be a lot different at least. Maybe I would probably still have the same friends, but I don't know how that dynamic would look if I was like living a way different life and doing way different things. So it's hard for me to, ex- to speak from that experience, but I would try to keep as grounded as possible. I would try to remember the things that are important to me. I think like I like money, obviously like money is important, but like it's not the money itself that matters. It's more of like the things you can do with it, like the freedom, the experiences that come with it, mm-hmm. being able to do things with your your loved ones. Those are the things I really think about when it comes to money. Like money itself is just a piece of paper. It doesn't really uh, signify anything. So that's kind of like where I'm thinking about that. I saw a quote recently from, it was actually just a YouTube comment and it was actually on a DJ Academics video. Um, uh-huh which I follow, I follow him a lot and I I like watching his videos. Um, he's mentioned before how he, he talks a lot about Drake and he loves Drake. He thinks he's like the best artist, hip hop artist. And, but he says he's never met Drake, which I find interesting because they've talked before. I was watching an interview he did with 21 Savage and he had him on the phone. Like they've talked before and they've DM'd each other, but he's never met him because he said that, you never want to meet your idols because mm. they're going <laughs> to disappoint you. Like they're not going to be like what you think they are. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of leads into this quote where I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to like, don't, don't look up to them because they'll look down to you. Mm. I and, like that actually. Yeah. And it, it makes me kind of, like to tie it into what we're talking about, like you see somebody who is doing super, super well that all of a sudden they start to get like that big ego that we're talking about. And all of a sudden now it's a dynamic where they think that they can like show you the way or like school you in, in a certain fashion in the, in the, the friendship changes. And, I think like I've kind of had that like where there's certain friend groups that I I don't talk to anymore because my life changed like so much and they stayed the same and they didn't have like the same growth that uh, that that I did and it's not anything bad against them 
but it's just two different railroad tracks and we're just going in different directions. Um, and I hate, I hate being in positions where like, I, I try not to, I don't want to give people advice cause I just, I don't want to like talk out of turn and I don't know everybody's like specific situation. So I kind of just keep to myself. Like I never want to mm-hmm. be in like that weird dynamic, um, where I'm trying to show you, oh, because I'm so good, I'm going to show you like what I did. It's like, nah, I just, I just mind my business and go about my life. And I hate it if it's the other way around too. If somebody's trying to do that to me, I'm like, whoa, uh, like, no, thank you. (laughs) I'm not looking for any advice. Um, but I don't know if you've ever found yourself in situations, uh, like that. Like me being the person giving advice or being the person receiving it or just both? Or, or yeah, like uh, both if you were on either side. Yeah, I mean, you know, in some relationships I had in the past, like friendships, I've been better at certain things and it's just like it's awkward to talk about it just because you don't want to seem like you're egotistical and you, you don't want to sound like you're better than them. So you kind of have to like walk carefully around that subject. But I mean, it sounds bad, but I guess I have to kind of like lower yourself when you speak in a certain sense where it's like you try to humble it where like you you try to be very careful about how you word certain things so they don't take it the wrong way and honestly i, don't, I can't think of another way to do it but mm-hmm. i mean you could you could just like say it authentically which is good too but i don't know it's like it's the dynamic strange it's kind of hard to maneuver it and it's not something i figured out yet you know <laughs> and i'm sure as hopefully as life gets better as i get more successful I'll have to deal with that more, but maybe I'll have it figured out by then. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, and I, I definitely, I haven't had it. I haven't figured it out either. It's still a weird, um, like tightrope that I try to balance on that. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm by no means like an expert at anything. So it, yeah, that's how if i if ever like i do uh, like talk to people about like certain things or trying to help people i always try to convey that that like hey i'm i'm no expert here so you know you should seek your own like <laughs> well like what's the thing on financial commercials they always say uh, not financial advice yeah this is not financial advice yeah. please talk to your <laughs> financial advisor <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I try to pride myself on authenticity and honesty for the most part. I think like if I'm trying, if I'm like, I think I'm a good person for the most part, but if I do bad things, I'll be honest about it. Like I'll try to be very communicative and up and upfront about certain things and try to like take initiative and take accountability for the most part. And I think for them, I think in general, that helps a lot in relationships, just whether that's friendships or, or dating, just being very honest and, uh, it's like an emphasis on communication. Mm-hmm. I think in every every type of relationship, whether that's sales or something more platonic or relationships, then I think communication is key for the most part. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I I remember this guy. Oh gosh, I forget his name, but he was there was like a viral YouTube video several several years ago of a door to door salesman who was selling uh, some sort of cleaning product, and. I remember he said that Jamie Foxx said that a, I think two years in sales is better than like any college degree or something like that because it, 
and kind of, you know, stuff that we've talked about during this conversation, just teaching you to like how to talk to certain people, uh, body language and tonality, like how to say things, like when to not say things either, like when to push, when to hold back. And I, yeah, no matter where you go in life, there's always, maybe not always, but there, there's usually people there and you're dealing with people on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, at the end of the day, I I know like, like we work for companies, but those companies are people and, or there's people working in those companies. And at the end of the day, you, you're working with other people. So it's, it's a good skill to have, like just being able to communicate. And also like one other thing is I just want to make sure I have a good like foundation of where I am morality wise. I just want to make sure that I can continue to do the right thing over time, especially like when you go to certain circles, like, you know, Hollywood, big business, all of that, like there's a lot of shady things that go on. So you want to make sure that you can kind of like maintain your composure and try to do the right thing as much as possible. Like I have a friend who's trying to be an actress and that's probably one of the worst fields to go into, especially as a girl, mm-hmm. like going into Hollywood or the music industry is a lot of, a lot of shady things that happen there. Like, I mean, even in, regular business a lot of shady things happen so i imagine it's way worse in hollywood but i mean i think as a guy you do have some benefits when it comes to this world at least i think when it comes to business you don't have to worry about you know getting sexually assaulted you have to worry about um like your boss hitting on you like saying certain weird things and like you know watching a lot of these clips like especially like from the red pill it kind of sounds like a lot of it is exaggerated and made up but I, now that I'm in this world, I kind of see it. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe this stuff is real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you kind of like see different perspectives. Um, like once you're outside of the internet, because like the internet's only going to show you one perspective, especially if you're on like a manosphere type of side of the internet where it's just red pill content and you only hear the, the male perspective. But then when you start to hear, hear the female perspective and see it firsthand, you're like, okay, like I kind of see why this makes more sense now. And like you kind of see you kind of see women more as, as human beings rather than just like a topic to talk about, mm-hmm. like a lot of these red pill people. And I'm willing to bet the majority of the red pill guys, at least like viewers probably haven't talked to m- many women in their lives or like have like good relationships with them, like close relationships with any women. So I think like with anything, even like if you talk about politics, like if you watch a lot of content on either side, they'll probably talk a lot of shit about one side more than the other. And it's very extreme. But then when you actually meet somebody from that side, they're like really cool and normal. So it's like, there's a lot of exaggeration going on on the internet. And once you step outside of the online world and go into the the real world, I think a lot of that doesn't really apply as much anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I was just thinking about this. The, it almost feels like the red pill community wants you to view women as like uh, opposition almost. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I like what you said, rather than viewing them as opposition where they're, they're humans, just we're all humans basically. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I've definitely been um, in, at points in my life where I have been uh, frustrated. I definitely have had that viewpoint of like, an adversarial viewpoint versus like a, you know, just that we're all, we're all in this together, basically. Like we all kind of want the same things. (laughs) 
Yeah. I think in general, like it's easy to hate a group of people when you don't have much contact with them. I think in this day and age, if you're like like a lonely guy who's just on the internet all day and you don't see many women in your real life and you just you watch all the, the podcasts like Fresh and Fit, like videos about um the red pill from Rolo Tomasi, mm-hmm. videos like that, like you have a skewed worldview on how women really operate. But then I'm sure if you go outside and talk to normal women and like I don't know, the Midwest or like California, wherever, a lot of them are just normal. And like most most women have no idea this type of content exists. <laughs> like it's <this> replica. <laughs> I think yeah. it's really just like probably like a certain percentage of guys. I mean, I think most guys are probably aware of it, especially because of Andrew Tate. We kind of made it popular, but I don't know how many people are like religiously watching Fresh and Fit or like watching other type of Red Pill videos. Mm-hmm. And I think it serves a purpose at certain points in your life. Like when I was going through that breakup and I watched a lot of Red Pill videos, it helped me do a lot of certain things at that time and like pushed me to do certain things and helped me take more accountability. Like It kind of like, I'm sure it depends on how you are as a person. Like if you give someone that same red pill information to two different people, one would blame themselves and like, okay, how can I change my life? How can I take accountability? What can I do differently moving forward? And then the other person will just be angrier and just like blame the opposite sex more. When, I mean, my worldview in general is you can't really change much about the way the world works. All you can do is change your own actions and yourself. Mm. So that's kind of the way I view relationships and like every aspect of life too, where, okay, like in general, if I look better, you know, like work out, do certain things, improve my social circle. If I make more money, I have like something interesting going on for myself. Then my dating pool opens up tremendously. Mm-hmm. There's like certain things you can do in your life that really like improve it, especially when it comes to dating or other aspects of your life. Just like accountability. It's like the main thing I would say. Mm-hmm. I, um, I wanted to ask you actually just like one or two more questions and then I'm going to have to, um, I'm gonna have to end it. Um, yeah. one of them was in regards to one book I read, uh, it's called the compound effect and it, it kind of following along with what you were just saying, do you, what do you think like, and I've, I've kind of found this in my life when, cause I have been at like, I've had, I have hit, hit rock bottom before and ha- have like completely lost like, um, what seems like control or like, uh, momentum in my life and everything just like seemed to like stagnate and I didn't know what to do, but I have found like when all of a sudden, like you get like these, uh, small wins in your life, like, okay, you know, just something as simple as, okay, I'm just going to go to the gym like for an hour every day. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm going to apply, I'm going to do like 30 applications a day and then I'm going to go to like this many interviews. I'm going to land a job. Okay. Then you land the job. Then, um, all of a sudden you, uh, like move out. So, okay, you accomplish that. And then all of a sudden, um, okay, I'm going to try dating. And then all of a sudden you're dating and then all of a sudden you find somebody. And then just like these little things like that add up into like an ultimate like uh, goal. And I don't know if, have you ever, experience that like in your life in regards to any of these topics like whether it's business or personal relationships dating etc yeah i mean like the entire journey of getting good at something is like small steps here and there like you don't wake up one day and then the next morning you're just an expert at a certain skill you don't become like a perfect cold approacher the next morning 
it's something that you work on continuously. And, and the truth is you never really get perfect at it. You always have to work on it continuously time and time again. But I guess for me, like, I mean, even with like YouTube videos, like getting good at editing, I didn't really know what I was doing at first, but I just knew like I wanted to share my story and just wanted like an outlet. And it's just something that like, regardless of how my channel or like other channels that I've worked on work out, I'll, I want to do this for a really, really long time just because I like it. So I think if you find something that you really like, it's a lot easier to keep on going through that process and that journey of getting those small little wins because you don't really think about the journey when you're when you're in it because you like it so much. And then even if you think about things like the gym, like for me, I love, you know, I love doing like MMA training and all that. But I don't think about the journey as much because I like it. Like I love training it. But the byproduct of going into the gym and putting in the work is you get really good at something. And again, it doesn't happen within a month. It happens over years. Like success happens over years. And I think that's something that really isn't talked about in a lot of like these the entrepreneurship space on YouTube. Like you see a lot of uh, clickbait titles saying like how to get rich in six months. I mean, the truth is to get really good at something, it, it takes years. So I think if I had advice to give to young people, it's like, just get started earlier. Because mm -hmm. by the time, if you start at like at 16, by the time you're my age, you'd be an expert at it. Mm. It's like the main thing I would say. And yeah, nothing worth achieving happens overnight. And the normal process for any person that's great, if you look at Elon Musk or anybody, they just put in the work early on and did it continuously. And I think persistence is the biggest thing. Like consistency and persistence are the best traits to have if you want to be successful in any aspect. Well said. Um, Sebastian, thank you very much for doing this. Um, yeah, thank you too. I appreciate you having me on. I guess one final question, and I know we mentioned it earlier, uh, the best places to get in contact with you. Um, I know you said Instagram. I know you said you're on Twitter. Yeah. So if you're not already, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, you can just look up my name, Sebastian Perez, and you should find me. I'll just be like the the profile picture with like a blue purse. It's kind of animated. I'm sure you'll find it. I make you'll find the type of content that I make. And besides besides that, you can find me on Instagram, um, the same name. I have all my links on my YouTube channel, so it's easy to find me on there. And I also have a Discord community where I kind of just like put my thoughts and all of that on there. Uh, I put like investment advice. I mean, not financial advice, obviously, but <laughs> just the stuff that I'm doing myself. And if you want to follow it, you can follow it too. But, and I have like some docs on there, like Google docs, where I go over kind of like my investment thesis for certain types of investments. I have um, like a little short story on like how I got started with video editing and how I got started with like the whole YouTube journey in general. It's kind of like my overall thoughts on different things and gives updates whenever I post new videos. So Instagram, Discord, and then obviously subscribe on YouTube. Awesome. And I will include links to uh, these mentioned places uh, in the description of the episode as well for people to click on and find easily. Um, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that we can we could connect and make this happen. And I would definitely... I mean, there's so much to talk. I, I could keep talking to you for a long time in regards to these topics. Yeah. And I would, um, I'd love to have you on again, you know, in the future and we can talk about more things. I think that'd be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, definitely down. There's, there's, yeah, the content for this type of, these type of videos is endless. So there's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate it again. And for everybody out there, uh, thank you very much for listening. My name is Chris. This has been Cheetash. 
Take care, everybody. Take care, guys.